the football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. All right, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show David Connolly. David, good morning to you. How are you? How are you doing, guys? You well? Yeah. Also, where this is Colin Bowie. Colin, you're very welcome. David, sir, how are you? Uh, we asked um, in our snap poll before we came on will Manchester City have a Champions League hangover and I think the uh, Liverpool fans have been reading the secret and they're trying to manifest this into existence because they're saying yes yes Man City will have a Champions League hangover David Connolly I ask you will Manchester City have a Champions League hangover? Uh, well uh, if it's a hangover it won't be from celebrating will it? <laughs> I mean um, sadly uh, Fordham do you know what I look back on the two games you know and and like a lot of like a lot of I think the, if you look at West Ham as well, you know the damage was done in the first leg, you know, and and I, I'm sure Pep will be pouring over that, right? You know the chances they had, they could have had, they could have had six, you know, and um, they came so close. I, I, I reckon they'll be devastated, you know, and I think there will be there will be a hangover. I guess. I guess the only thing is maybe you know maybe they're at home, which 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 will help them. Um, and uh, um, but I, I'm sure they're absolutely you know they'll be they'll be pouring through that game how they lost it you know for for years to come. Can I just tease this out a little bit? Because certainly a lot of the commentary has been about the fact that they didn't get Harry Kane, and so therefore they didn't have somebody to finish all the chances that they created in the first leg. But they did score five goals over the two legs against Real Madrid in a semi-final. You would expect, if we'd sat down beforehand and we'd said, right, I guarantee you Manchester City are going to score five times over the two legs, we probably, almost certainly, would have said, well, they're going through. I mean, they're definitely going through because they can they can stop Real Madrid from scoring six or five. That's all they need to do. But they yeah. couldn't do it. So is it not, is it are we are we missing the point when we're saying this is all back to Harry Kane and them not having a number nine? And I, I get the point you make about the, the missed chances, but if the defence was just a little bit better, they'd be going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. Uh, obviously, I mean, a lot of the goals are avoidable. I mean, they, they, you know, the brilliance. I know there was had some brilliant play as well from. You know, but I, I guess you could say Fernandinho in the first leg where he got too tight and then, you know, they didn't cover across quickly enough. Uh, that got them back in it. You know, the two penalties, kind of clumsy. The handball was just crazy. You know, so careless. Laporte had his arm up. Uh, you, you will pick holes over, you know, 180 minutes, right? I mean, I'm sure Colm will, will, like everyone will. They'll, they'll pick holes in that. Do you know what I thought was fascinating? fascinating was Carlo Ancelotti right who's who's who had just won the league in the top five leagues right he's he's a he's a league winner he turned to his bench and asked um, us, um, uh, Tony Crows um, <clears throat> what to do have you seen this image yeah where he's, he's discussing I thought that was fabulous you know because it's going a bit off point here but you, you know I know lads that went to Chelsea when he was a manager, right? And they went, uh, they were from, I was at Southampton at the time. It was the medical staff, right? And they were, Southampton were building a new training ground. So they went around all the best training grounds to see what, what every everyone had. And at the time, Ancelotti was manager at, at Chelsea. And they couldn't believe, they walked in the physio room and normally physio rooms are sterile, yeah? There's, there's no TV, there's no papers. 
you know, you should have seen the physio room when Roy Keane was at Sunderland. I mean, you know, you couldn't you couldn't raise a, a smile. You know, you, it was like you were, you know, you solitary you confinement. Were, yeah, you were condemned. But you you went to the Chelsea one, right? And they came back and they said they had the telly on, music blaring. There was newspapers everywhere, magazines. It was like a youth club, and. And Carlos Short, I took a lot from that because I thought, wow, that's the, he, it, you know, he wants the atmosphere where the players are relaxed. And, you know, I'm not, look, if he'd have lost, we wouldn't be discussing this. But the point being, his way of management is, is fascinating considering the success he's had, even turning to his bench to ask him, what do you think about bringing, you know, uh, the, 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 the subs on? He brought Camavinga on. And you know, I, I just thought that was incredible, you know. It's a fine line, though, isn't it? I mean, Real Madrid yeah. didn't have a shot in target until the 90th minute until their first goal and Manchester City did everything right and Jack Grealish had those two chances right at the end you're all boy and I, I actually I firmly agree with you uh, David that uh, Anstati has a great way about him but I know that the media we would have turned that around if Manchester City had held on for that win and say what is a manager of Carlo Anstati's experience doing turning around to one of his players to ask him how to do his job but now we're yeah. saying oh no he's a good vibes manager and he gets the best of everybody and I think he does and you and I Ger, were talking about this about three or four weeks ago when you were like Carlo Anstati what's he all about well, I think but look at his Wikipedia uh, yeah, look, incredible it, he has put together a pretty good CV at this point Um it's a, it's a really interesting comparison and I think because it was Pep, right? And because Pep is on the sideline like an electrocuted monkey kind of constantly twitching, pointing out what people are supposed to be doing and where they're supposed to be and screaming at them. I, I, the, Mares had a shot recently where he, he shouldn't have shot in one of the games. It was the league game the weekend. Was it or two yeah, weekends ago? Yeah, they were through. He should have squared it. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the absolute yeah. bollocking he that he took. Right, his performance after that in that game wasn't great. But then he did take the shot on the other day and I'm like, yeah. fair play to Mares. Because if that goes wrong, he knows he's going to absolutely get it from Pep. And, uh, you know, at that point, it was looking like they were going through. And certainly the commentator on BT was like, oh, they're booking their flights to Paris. I'm like, That's, uh, maybe you shouldn't be saying that just yet. But, I, uh, like, when it came down to it, they didn't know how to kill the game. Was that because they're used to getting instructions the whole time? Or was that just, are these unconnected, David? I, I guess... Uh, yeah, th- is your, is your point, can you apply the opposite point to Pep that he actually, he leads them too much and if you constantly tell somebody what to do in the moment of crisis when they have to do it themselves, you actually can't do it for them. Well, you know, the biggest the biggest uh, comparable is um, Mikel Arteta who, who you know, kicks and, and, and plays every pass. I mean, he has a technical area, Mikel Arteta, but it, it doesn't apply to him because he's never in it. He's almost on the pitch the whole time. I mean, it drives you mad. Um, but they're cut off the same cloth. And I know Mikel worked under Pep. He micromanages it and he's incredibly... T- this is not saying one way is right or the other. I just thought that took, that took a, I guess, a lot of confidence from Ancelotti to turn to his bench because I think they were losing at the time, 1-0. And I, and I looked at the bench and he was just sat, he was sat on the bench, you know, gathering his thoughts, obviously thinking what right, what to do, how to get back in this game. And it's different ways. You know, Charlotte's Ferguson used to be sat on the bench a lot. One, because Old Trafford, the bench is so high up, you're a fair way to the to the technical area, pitch side. So he would spend a lot of time, you know, up in his seat. It's a different way of management. You know, it's, it, I get, people might say it's more modern the way Pep manages in terms of in that technical area, kicking and screaming like Jurgen Klopp for every ball. I'm not saying one's right or one's wrong, but... I just thought that was fascinating. It is, it is. It's genuinely fascinating. And uh, like, you think about it, right? So 
Ancelotti is on the sideline in Istanbul when the same thing happens to his team except over a longer period of time and from you could argue I don't know is it a worse position maybe it isn't a worse position but it's certainly uh, um, it's it's as big a collapse as anybody has ever seen so he's seen both sides of it and I guess maybe the other thing is that's football and, and we we can try and read too much into it I, I do think City were unlucky I think yeah. I think the ball Cannoning off someone's head onto Rodrigo's head and going straight past Ederson, <laughs> yeah. like it was, yeah, it's absolutely, a, and the same from Courtois with his studs. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can go on. We, we, you know, I think you're right. They were unlucky, but but nonetheless, it, it's nice to have something else to talk about that could impact on the game as well as just the action on the pitch because a lot of people will question the subs of Pep, right? Yeah. So then you have to say, well, let's discuss how Ancelotti made his subs, which is by converse you know, quite interesting because Pep would never turn to his bench, you know, and, and, and ask the players. I mean, he didn't even know Fernandinho was leaving. Now, what does that tell you as well? well isn't, I, that, that unu- isn't that unusual? Yeah, because, because he, uh, he, loved, yeah. he loved Fernandinho. Fernandinho was, was his fella. He, they, they, well, does Fernandinho love Pep? I don't know. <laughs> That's the other thing, you know. I, I actually think Fernandinho is past it this season I think that like he has been an unbelievable player for them and it does not in any way diminish the career that he had he has been probably after company the most important person in setting the tone for what they stand for and for getting them in games where they weren't in games like okay the strikers have obviously delivered with the goals and I understand that uh, you can't win anything without them but company set a tone and Fernandinho kept it up but it does feel like they should have replaced him and it does feel like the squad isn't actually as deep as you might think if you look at the bench Scott Carson and Zach Steffen were on the bench there were four kids uh, some of whom are generational talents by all accounts they've made it to the Man City bench for the Champions League semi-final we'll see but they're still only 18 and then they had the five subs who came on and there was um, one they didn't use who is actually a first team player and you're like okay there's six subs who came on like the squad isn't as well developed as it might be considering they spent 100 million quid on a player last year in the summer like I do wonder if, if we, we give them a lot of credit, but I do wonder if actually sometimes they have blind spots. Yeah, is that, I mean, Colm, I don't know what Colm thinks, but I, I, you know, I guess, I guess they'll pour over that now, you know, in terms of there's talking a paper, the link with Frankie de Jong, you know, somebody of that ilk, um, you know, uh, the, the, the Harry Kane ship has sailed. So, um, you know, I'm sure they'll be looking, but as you say, look, they weren't, they, they, they weren't far off it. It's just, I just wonder whether Pep's, you know, when, it, when it's all said and done and Pep eventually leaves Man City, you know, there's just been a couple of clues along the way, like Fernandinho, you know, he didn't even know Fernandinho was leaving. I just wonder how much they actually, you know, they, they respect Pep. I just wonder how much they like him. Yeah, but we'll have to wait and see. That that might that might come out eventually. You I don't know? think it's ever mattered to Pep himself if the players like him or not. He's not. He's the very very different to Jurgen Klopp. He doesn't go the Paddy approach. He goes to as we've all said so far this kind of autocratic approach where I will tell you literally word for word or play by play what to do. And what struck me, we've already untouched it, but I do think it's it's worth repeating, is just how leaderless they looked once extra time started and you were you were looking around thinking and why is that? Because it, he's the captain as well as the manager and I think they were looking around being like what do we do next and I would say Kevin De Bruyne is a leader but he was taken off and then after that I'm kind of struggling Fernandinho yes but again his influences uh, far diminished this year 
And obviously they haven't really ever replaced Vincent Company in the sense of yeah, a leader. Yeah, but Diaz but, is. And you'd expect Rodri no, and you'd expect got, Gundogan to be able to lead. They're in the positions of being leaders. They're in the in the spine of the team, but that doesn't necessarily make them leaders. Mm. And they're lacking that a bit. And also the number nine issue. Like, I don't know, are we um, changing our minds a bit on this? Like, at the start of the season, we were like, they need to replace Sergio Aguero. They didn't. And they've had an absolutely fantastic season up until literally the 90th minute of the second leg. Nobody was mentioning the fact that they're short of a number nine. And now because Jack Greedish didn't finish those two chances we're saying why don't they have another number nine well they're getting they're getting Haaland they're getting Haaland and then if they get Haaland uh, is that the final piece of the jigsaw and then does he win the Champions League next year and then does he say right I'm done because all of this has been for the Champions League which he has yet to win and he's won everything else but doesn't matter that he's won anything else other than the Champions League I think if he wins it he's going to defend it to be honest um, this is the football kickoff with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sport if there's going to be a hangover it would need to be this weekend on Sunday against Newcastle it's a half four kickoff it's live on Sky Sports it's also live on off the ball commentary from the Etihad with Nathan Murphy and David Myler on duty for that one our other live game on Sunday is Arsenal against Leeds which kicks off at 2 o'clock live from the Emirates with Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr on duty for that one let's talk about the Man City Newcastle game um, Newcastle have been in excellent form since they made all the signings David and yet there are these games where I mean they, they definitely gave Liverpool their fill of it um, in that game can they do it against City and kind of use this as a springboard for starting next season in a blaze of glory or are they actually now pretty much flip-flops on board shorts on here comes the beach yeah that's well you know they could be i guess it's it's hard to say i mean you can't you can't even look at the last game between the two where city were, were comfortable they ran out four nil winners you know i don't think that's a fair reflection however i think i think certainly for newcastle say the four games they won in a row you know the wolves won leicester who got an eye on europe palace not really anything to play for norwich down you know i think probably in the form newcastle win, you'd expect them to win but when they faced the good sides, you know, Spurs, they lost by five, Liverpool, they ground it out. I, I can't, I can't see, I can't see Newcastle getting anything here, but that doesn't diminish the job Eddie Howe has done because I mean, you know, they could, they could in theory, you know, finish ninth, top 10, but they are 10th, they could finish ninth, 10th. And I, I think that would be incredible considering where they were when he took over. David, how far away, in your opinion, are we from a Newcastle title challenge? But that's a that's a good question because I think they're a they're a long uh, you know a long way. I mean the title challenge they've got to make up forty points, forty, you know. So that's that's it's fifteen wins or you know something like that. To to that's that's not going to happen. Let's be honest, that's not going to happen. But they'll look at sides like West Ham and and you know and and sides like that and go well you know we could be competing for European football. Mm. Yeah, well, but but the title challenge, I think, is to make up that amount of points. Is is I, I think they're a long, long way. Off I, yeah, I don't think we're talking next season or maybe even the year after, but certainly in a five-year plan type of thing. Like the other thing is, you're saying they need to make up forty points. Well, Eddie Howe only came in, you know, just shy of the halfway point and has done a better job than I don't know about you two, but better than I expected the impact he's had so far but he actually has a terrible record against Pep Guardiola. Eleven out of eleven defeats, last thirty-four-five uh, on aggregate. So, uh, yeah. but this is probably his best chance because the Newcastle team are doing very well. But as you well, said, David, they've had a yeah. few dead rubbers. They could get spanked here. Yeah, I mean, and what's interesting as well, uh, I mean, I guess you're talking in the future, but for next season, I was at Bournemouth the other day, you know, and, and, and Bournemouth going up, you know, that'll be, 
I think that'll add that'll add a nice little mm. sideshow to next season when when those two face off against each other because you know Scott Parker and his assistant Matt Wells kind of reminiscent of Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall when they you know when they first went in at Bournemouth so I think I think for Newcastle look if they can get anything out of this game they'll be doing well to, to try and utilise a hangover from City but I think it's going to be hard but nonetheless for them top 10 will be an amazing end to the season I think of all the Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fellow in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool fan could say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OK, who will challenge for the title first? Newcastle United or Manchester United? <laughs> stop, no, stop, stop. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> you think insulting. You, how quickly will Ten Hag turn it around for them to be realistic title contenders? Like I Who's know you're just, first? I know you're just asking that question for the crack, right? No, no, I no, know. Honestly, you serious are. question because there's a there's a chance that Newcastle outspend Manchester United three to one or four to one in the summer. Are you sitting here telling me that this time next year we're talking about Newcastle United ahead of Manchester United in the Premier League and we're saying oh, they're, they're outside chance for at least next season and they're better than United? Do you think Do you think it's guaranteed, nailed on, 100% certain that Manchester United will be ahead of Newcastle this time next year on the table? 100%. Really? 100%. Absolutely. Really? We can go back to it. Let's timestamp it. Okay, okay. It's 10.48 on the 6th of May, 2022. <laughs> there's timestamping We're, we're doing it, yeah. this. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's nailed on. Let's wait and see what the transfer activity is in the summer. Yeah? It's going to be an entirely new Manchester United team and you look at the players yes. who are leaving but it will also probably be uh, I would say at least half a dozen new additions to the Newcastle team they've like been, he's not happy with this squad at the no, moment but so then they have to gel as well they've, they've been pretty good gel. at gelling that you would say that what the one thing that we've learned so far is that he's been able to manage players coming into the team and very quickly bed them into what he wants them to do this Manchester United squad need coaching in a modern capacity and if they get that combined with the players that they already have in the what squad they're and they're crap? going to add then they're going what to be all miles crap? better than Newcastle what if they're all just crap miles better okay okay I, li- I like the f- I like the fire from the Man United fans this morning insulting question I mean look it's real it's a real thing Arsenal against Leeds right maybe we should talk about um, Spurs first so Liverpool Spurs is the 7.45 kickoff on BT Sport on Saturday evening I don't know about you but sometimes these Saturday evening fixtures there's just a bit of weirdness to them it's an unusual time for Footballers to be playing late night Saturday. It doesn't happen very often. Um, happens Champions League finals. It happens big games towards the end of the season. Weird things happen. We're talking about a European hangover for Manchester City. Is there any possibility that Liverpool have a bit of a hangover from what happened midweek, David? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think you're right, though. With the, in terms of the late kickoff, it is, um, and and we didn't really touch on on Brighton there, but 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 you know, there's a lot of teams, and Brighton's one of them. They've had barely any games at three o'clock, like barely any. Now, if you're a fan and and you're playing on a on a, a Monday night, a Friday night, half five, half seven, you know, it's it, anyway. Why this one is at seven forty-five? Uh, I, I don't know. There won't be any hangover from Liverpool. I think they had the hangover in the first half the other night. And, and other than that, they'll just roll on relentless manner. Um, I can't see Tottenham getting anything here, but, you know, um, I think they had a comfortable victory against Leicester because Leicester had one eye on the Roma game. But um, I, no, I can only see Liverpool just going from strength to strength. The, 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 the interesting game will be after this when they play Aston Villa and Steven Gerrard. That will be the interesting mm. one. But I think I think they'll win this one. Do you know what uh, I can't get out of my mind is that I just don't trust from a Spurs perspective Antonio Conte definitely being there next season. 
I do get the feeling he's kind of looking around, well, thinking that he's. I'm a bit he better than. I'm a bit better than Tottenham. It's Tottenham, lads. Come on. If he dragged them into the Champions League, I think he would probably stay to see what happens in the summer transfer window. But the PSG job is right there and it's one of the most interesting jobs in world football and it kind of suits him in that he can come in. It's either going to be a success or a failure, but his reputation won't be damaged if it's Mm. a failure because no one's made it any good so far. But if he succeeds, like that's, I can literally take any amount of money for any job ever afterwards. So what do you think, David? Would he be the Spurs manager? yeah, good question. I mean, the, the thing is, I've seen Tottenham live a couple of times, right? And they are the, one of the most Jekyll and Hyde teams I've seen. Like, they can be brilliant on their day, you know, like they were against uh, Newcastle and smashed Villa. But I saw them live at Brentford and they were awful, you know? They were poor against Brighton. <clears throat> and and at times you wonder, well, if you stop the supply into Harry Kane and, and Son, what else have they got? It, 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 it was that easy for Brentford to, to come away with a point there, honestly, because all they did was just made sure the likes of Son and Kane just didn't get the ball. You know, they, they worked so hard in the middle of the park. The back unit were great. And you think, okay, well, what else have they got? Will he be there next year? Good question. I, I had the thought he was angling for something else. I just wonder, you know, when they discuss money, budgets, players coming in, you know, what will be available for him? That PSG job, as you say. Yeah, I think if they get top four, I think for sure he'll stay I think Spurs are another that play uh, they perform dependent on the manager and his mood so Conte seems to he's up for certain games he's not up for other games and like David referenced the Brentford match there I caught a bit of it not the whole thing but I like I completely agree with that assessment they were bang average and then you see them like the Newcastle game at home where they could have won that that could have been a double figure match easily the one thing is that this weekend is going to be a huge hinge point for them and then obviously they've got the uh, North London Derby next Thursday yeah. night so it's Liverpool Spurs on Saturday evening as we've just talked about I think you're both predicting a Liverpool win for that one and then the next day it's Arsenal against Leeds and Arsenal are at home um, Leeds are in free fall at the moment David and yet maybe it's one of these fixtures against a team where they're expected to be hammered that they can just batten down the hatches not try and play any football do nothing except be dogs of war like it seems to have worked a little bit to go back to basics for Everton in recent weeks is there any possibility Leeds can do the same and get a point from this I don't know you know because the record against the, the top side has you know has been bad um, I'm not sure if Liam Cooper is still out I don't know Patrick Bamford you know but even even if he is available obviously he hasn't had the games in his legs um, they've got injuries all over the park, you know, for sure. Dallas, etc. Dallas had the bad injury. Mm. Um, they're going to miss his tenacity, although it cost him with the injury. So I don't know. Look, he, he, he tried something different against Man City with the back three. Um, I, look, I, I think Arsenal had an off day against West Ham, but I don't think they'll have an off day here. And even though they had an off day, they still won, you know, so... Um, I, I can only see an Arsenal win again. New contract for Arteta. This is the future. They've decided they've, you know, he he's won all the power struggles so far. They've got rid of Aubameyang and it looks like they're going to give him the money that he wants to get the players that he wants again in the summer. Is he a good manager, David? That's a good question. You know, that's a good question because I don't know. I do know some people that have been there and worked there and, you know, I've heard you turn up with the wrong colour socks, you know, he sends you home. I mean, you know, <clears throat> he's um, he rules with a, with a with a discipline that I think, which I think, he manages that way because it was the polar opposite when Arsene Wenger was there. You know, I remember once oh, I was at Southampton. Oxlade Chamberlain made his debut, right, with me. But 
in our team and then he, he left for Arsenal. He came back a few times and he'd come for breakfast on his day off or lunch or whatever. And he said he couldn't believe it because the lads would stroll out, training meant to start half 10 and, you know, sometimes, it, you know, you get the odd player come out at 10.40 and, and Arsene Wenger would say nothing because he wanted a, a different sort of relaxed environment, you know, trusted the players, okay, the players might say, come on, be out on time, whatever. But that relaxed environment, it looks like Mikel Arteta didn't like that and, and, and he's the kind of polar opposite. So he rules, I think, a bit like Pep does. Um, it's had an impact. It's a young, impressionable squad, very young, with some good, like Odegaard is as talented as you will find. He is a top, top player, that Martin Odegaard. He is much better than I think people realise until you watch him. He is, his football brain and his vision is off the chart, you know, so they've got some good players, you know. Um, and I, I think they will finish top four because I think him, Saka, they got enough, I think, to finish top four. Well, again, that's a big, big moment because if they do that and Spurs end up not being able to keep Conte, maybe Pochettino comes back and it's fine. But, you know, if Pochettino doesn't come back, if he decides he doesn't want to get back in, you know, with his toxic ex, then perhaps Spurs are at a massive crossroads and maybe Harry Kane goes, OK, I'm leaving again. Like, don't think it was a toxic ex. I think they were made for each other, but they're on leaving. a break. Ross and Rachel's style. No. <laughs> they are. No. Uh, this is absolute. This is an enormous week weekend for Arsenal. Daniel Levy was checking his bank account to see where, why he was spending his money. That's what it was like. And Potts was out spending money and Daniel Levy's like, do we really need this? You're subscribed to all these things that we don't need. You never watch that and it's still, it's like there's a tenner a month. So Potts was staying out late, Daniel Levy had the dinner ready and Potts wasn't coming home. Yeah, exactly. They just needed a break to grow to mature to come back together. But this is a massive weekend, Maybe. lads. Uh, Arsenal could be five points ahead of Spurs. Yeah, exactly. That's my you point. Know, yeah, so yeah. This is, this is huge and just as Arteta signs a new contract, it's perfect. Like Arsenal never been better, and they have Eddie and leading the line really well in Alex Lacazette's absence. But they do need a number nine next season, and, and I'm sure they're going to try. They're, they've been linked with every single number nine Everybody. in European football, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, what they end up getting. Chelsea versus Wolves at three o'clock on Premier Sport on Saturday afternoon. On the face of it, this should be a run of the mill. And two months ago, we were like, "Well, this game is going to be meaningless." But all of a sudden, Chelsea have been so bad that everybody has caught up with them. Arsenal are just three points behind them. And it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that Wolves will just put in a random performance that they have done over the course of the season because they're not a bad team. They're eighth, but like they, again, could easily have been caught by any of the teams behind them. They probably won't now because they've got a bit of a cushion to, to Brighton. So I don't know what's going to happen here, but I do know that things around Chelsea are not good at the moment, David. What do you expect? No. Um, I was at this game a couple of years ago. I mean, the last few times it's been it's been goalless, and I think <clears throat> there's only a couple of teams, you know, this season that have got less points than Chelsea at home. Can you imagine that? You know, the the sort of fortress that it used to be, Stamford Bridge, and it is no longer. Um, they've had an awful lot of the ball, but but have really struggled to break teams down and, and get the goals maybe that that their play deserved, and they've been struggling at the back and. You know, he's, he's had to make some calls, taking Christensen off at half-time and against Arsenal. This is a, a big game because, as Colin was saying, you know, they, they can easily catch up here. They could be caught by Arsenal. And, and I think Arsenal will win. So the only issue is I think Wolves are in such a bad run. Mm. You know, are they going to be able to ch- turn it around? I mean, they've been... <laughs> I, was, I, I was reading this week about Raul Jimenez. He's, he's, I think he's, he's just had a baby or whatever. But the last... They did a gender reveal with, with Wolfie, the mascot, and the last time they did it, you know, 
it, they said it was a boy and it was a, they got the wrong you know, it was a girl it was a girl it was a girl in the end well, and that's as that's as interesting how do you screw it up as, yeah exactly yeah they, they released the wrong balloons they released the wrong, wrong colour balloons but anyway that's as interesting as Wolves have been of late they were awful <laughs> they were awful against Brighton and you're kind of finding some interesting stuff and it's about Raul Jimenez and whether they you know they get the baby cord they get the right balloons this time but <clears throat> anyway no uh, I, th- I think Chelsea will win this but um, uh, only purely because I think Wolves are in, a, in a, are in a really bad defensively. They were all over the place against Brighton. Jose Sarr, who mostly has been really good, as just is having a rush of blood every time the ball comes in his box. Um, superb shot stopping, but he makes some awful decisions. Not just the penalties he's given away, but you know his, his overall play has, has been sort of yeah poor and and. Um, yeah, it's kind of petering out for Wolves. So, which is, uh, yeah, it just could be easily the fourth loss. You know, it could be fifth and sixth, something like that. You know, really bad time for them. Are these the two most apathetic sides in the Premier League at the moment in current form? Like Wolves are a classic on the beach Chelsea and Chelsea might not even be a club in a few weeks' time. Uh, they'll definitely be a club. They're, they're, they're too big to fail. This is nil-nil written all over it. Enron, so I think you're right. I think that's going to be a draw and I think that will make that all the rest of those games interesting and it gives Spurs just a tiny glimmer of hope even if they don't manage to get something from the uh, the Liverpool game. Uh, right, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. The football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sport. We do ask you for your five-a-side on Instagram. We put Mendy up against Jose Sa. Mendy won that one. We put Lewis Dunk up against Rafa Varane. I mean, what can you say? Two thoroughbreds of the game up against each other. Varane just snuck home on that one. Uh, Rodri versus uh, Bruno Guillemarche. Rodri won this one. I think uh, Bruno's coming good. Bakaya Saka versus Rafinha. Saka won that one. And Mo Salah versus Harry Kane. Mo Salah won that one. Our Liverpool fans were out, as I said, manifesting things into uh, being big fans of the secret. David, good stuff. Thanks a million for joining us. Cheers, guys. Take care. Good David. Thank you. Enjoy the football this weekend. We'll be back next Friday at half past 10. Take care. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.